Alleluia, Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Today is Cantate Sunday. And Cantate means to sing. It's what you prayed in the intro it from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. It's a psalm about Jesus winning salvation on the cross, crushing the head of the ancient serpent. It's a psalm about Jesus' victory over death and the promise given out to you. But when we listen to our gospel text today, it doesn't sound like there's much singing going on, at least not from the disciples. We said last week that the worst possible tragedy is to be without Jesus, to be without his gifts and to be away from him. And now Jesus says he is going away. Now it's time to, for Jesus to leave the disciples and go to the Father in his death. Jesus says that this departure is good for them. And unless Jesus leaves, he cannot give them the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe this idea seems strange to us, as if there isn't room in the world for both Jesus and the Holy Spirit to be active at the same time, and they have to take turns instead. Or there are those who believe that God is not triune, that God is not three persons. They say that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit aren't three persons of one Godhead, but different manifestations, different masks of the one and the same person. So the only way for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit to the church is for him to go back to heaven and switch masks. And now he can be made known to the church as the Holy Spirit. Some even go so far as to talk about different ages of church history, as though the Father ruled by his law until the coming of Jesus, who then ruled by the gospel. And now is the time of the Holy Spirit, when God is made known by signs and wonders, and the primary way that he works is inside you. But this teaching says that the work of each person of the Trinity is disconnected from the others. And it takes away our focus on God's word and the comfort that he gives there. And we'll, we'll hear more about that in a few weeks on Trinity Sunday. But here Jesus is saying that if he doesn't leave the disciples, if he doesn't die then the Holy Spirit cannot deliver the benefits of Jesus' death. If there is no death of Jesus, then he has won no salvation for you. And there is nothing for the Holy Spirit to deliver. 
If victory over sin and death has not been accomplished, then the Spirit has no business giving that victory to you. Jesus calls him the helper. Other faithful translations might say comforter or advocate or counselor. But basically, the Greek word here, paraclete, means that the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to come alongside you. And this person of the Godhead who is with you takes what belongs to Jesus and he gives it to you. Now, notice how Jesus describes the Spirit's work. He doesn't come alongside you in some weird, sort of ethereal way. Rather, remember what we heard three Sundays ago. Starting on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus sends out his men with the word of forgiveness. They couldn't go until they were sent. They couldn't go until they had something to deliver. So unless Jesus gives them forgiveness to announce and salvation to deliver, they would have only empty words. And even if they had been given these promises and gifts, they couldn't go until they were sent. In Jeremiah, the Lord speaks judgment against those who go without being sent. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. These disciples cannot go without being authorized. So now Jesus sends out his men to forgive sins. And he authorizes and blesses their work by breathing on them, giving them the Holy Spirit. And Jeremiah, speaking by this Holy Spirit, records the Lord's word. If they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. That's why this same night, Jesus also promises that the Holy Spirit would give the Lord's apostles the words to speak. They would not go without being sent. And being sent, they would speak only the words that Jesus had authorized. And we have their words written down for us in this thing we call the New Testament. Thus, the Holy Spirit accomplishes his work, not by giving you feelings in your heart, but through words. And we can see this in how Jesus describes the Spirit's work. His work is accomplished by words, by speaking. Over the last number of months, and I think it's even been pretty close to a year, we've had... Uh, Robert and, and Abby in, in catechesis. And I think they would think it would be pretty strange if I showed up one day and said, today we're not going to talk, but you're going to learn. It doesn't work that way. The Spirit accomplishes his work 
by speaking. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world. This happens through words. It happens through God's word spoken and proclaimed to you. Words that come to you not from inside your own heart, but outside of you. From God's word given and proclaimed through assertions and promises, paragraphs and sermons and readings and washing and gifts. This is how the Spirit comes alongside you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Now, you have heard it said, ignorance is bliss. But you know that that's not really true. Being separated from the truth can give a kind of temporary comfort. But if you remain separated from the truth, there is no true happiness Faith in what is false cannot give comfort. Relying on a friend who is unreliable will not help you. But Jesus says true happiness, true joy comes from the spirit of truth. The truth of the Holy Spirit produces true faith. And from this true faith come true joy and true worship. And this is what I have heard from our catechumens over our time together in our text. The disciples knew that Jesus was leaving, and this made them sad. Jesus said, sorrow has filled their hearts. But they didn't bother to believe what he said about where he was going They didn't want to ask any more questions. Any kind of death is an occasion for sadness. But if the disciples had believed the truth about Jesus' death and what he was going to accomplish, then they would have also had true joy amid their sadness. Nor was that day, nor was their joy that day for the soldiers who crucified Jesus. For them, it was just another day on crucifixion duty. Without the truth, there is sorrow. When they didn't understand Jesus' departure, the disciples were full of sorrow. And even on Sunday morning, without the truth, locked behind closed doors, The disciples were full of fear. But the truth the Spirit brings is a comforting truth, a peace-giving truth. Error and false doctrine can never give true peace. They will only lead to false hope, false comfort, false peace. But God doesn't lie. He only ever tells the truth. And this is a truth that will never change. That's what James says in our epistle. Our Father in heaven doesn't change from one day to the next. And neither does the truth. I do have to say that when it comes to teaching, 
it does make it a little easier to know that the things that I say aren't going to change next week or next month or next year. And so that we can have confidence in these things. So when Jesus promises that he's going to send his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, he meant that this Spirit will only ever speak of what is constant and unchanging. He's not going to come into the world and speak something new or add to God's word that has already been given. And this is another way that you can identify the devil's lies. His word is inconsistent with the word of God. Sometimes some of the things he says might sound like God's word, but God's word never changes. And the devil's word is in constant flux. The devil's word it changes based on your feelings. If it feels like God is close to you, well, then he is near. But if it feels like God has gone far from you, then he has abandoned you and left you alone. And he says you cannot rely on anyone but yourself. But the word that says God's will can't really be known is the word of the devil. We can't really know what God says about heaven and hell, about man and woman and marriage and children, about the job of the pastor and the role of the congregation, about the comfort of the forgiveness of sins, about the Lord's promises given in baptism and the Holy Supper. Because the devil comes along and he adds and subtracts from God's word. A couple days ago, I heard a preacher say that Jesus never told Christians not to sin. But if you know the scriptures, you know that this is a lie that comes from the devil. Because the devil comes along and changes God's word to make it sound more appealing. And the devil's word changes based on the culture, too. What was true yesterday will not be true tomorrow. In fact, we hear that abortion and divorce and homosexuality and all manner of other evils are no longer regarded as opposed to God's good order of the world. Jesus is no longer the only hope for sinners, for there are many paths to many gods, and sin isn't actually bad for you. Bearing a grudge is a kind of good work. And the love of God's law is optional for the Christian. But whenever the devil twists and changes God's word, he is stealing away your comfort. His lies are all around. The devil lies, the world lies. And your own sinful heart and flesh lies. And if you have not yet heard its lies, you will. And lies will steal away your comfort. But the Holy Spirit speaks the truth. He comes to convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. To show that the world is wrong about these things. 
only by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord's gospel and the sacraments of Christ, which bring us the Holy Spirit. Only by these are you preserved in the faith and kept safe from lies. Now, the Holy Spirit reveals that sin comes not from the outside influences on us or our external judgment of them, but from a sinful heart. So that if you truly look inside yourself, you will find nothing but sin and death. The Spirit convicts sin. The Helper will convince the world of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. This is the greatest sin. And in a way, this shows that all sins are really the same. Unbelief is at the root. Every sin grows out from this. Idolatry and disobedience. Murder, adultery, and fornication. Theft, slander, covetousness. Every sin comes from unbelief from not trusting that God is good and that he will provide. So the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin to persuade you that you are helpless to save yourself. That is why Jesus came, to bear all your sins and die as your substitute. His death pays for all sins. He bore them all, paid for them all, and forgives them all. Now the world is actually reconciled to the Father in Jesus' death. And the Holy Spirit then convinces the world of righteousness because Jesus dies. Now the Holy Spirit preaches that the whole world is reconciled to God, but not everyone is saved. So the Holy Spirit comes to take this forgiveness and to hand it over to you. And in this way, convict you of the righteousness that he has won. Now the devil has many lies, but his chief lie is the denial of the gospel. He teaches you that you can be righteous on your own. Thus the Holy Spirit judges the devil And the devil is revealed to be a liar. So the Holy Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus. And he brings these gifts to you. He forgives your sins from this altar. He grants you his holy word. He strengthens your faith. And his giving of the truth to you isn't a one-time thing. It's not over at confirmation the same way that Education sort of stops at graduation. And we can even see that from our text. We hear Jesus say, I tell you the truth. But we might translate it this way. Jesus says, I keep on telling you the truth. Jesus only and ever and always speaks the truth. And it's not a one-time thing. This is constantly what Jesus says. And Jesus also says he still has more to say. Although you have come to know the small catechism 
and you boldly confess the truth of God's word, Jesus isn't done teaching you. He still has more to say, more gifts to give. And if Jesus is never done teaching, then you are never done learning. You never outgrow sitting at his feet and being catechized by his word. Abby and Robert, this morning you are confirmed in this faith and confession. So maybe it would be helpful to also say a few words about confirmation. Because if we're talking about the truth of the scriptures, we have to also admit that this rite of confirmation isn't directly, isn't directly commanded by Jesus. We have the things that he commanded us to do in the church, to baptize and teach, to forgive sins, to give out his body and blood. But there is no command in the scriptures to be confirmed. Now, don't, don't think that means that you can get up and leave or that, that you shouldn't be here today. Because what we do have is a command from Jesus to come to his altar and to confess what you believe. And so when you come, you examine the gift. You look at what this church teaches as compared to the scriptures. Does this church teach what the scriptures say? What does this church say is being given out on that altar? Is it the true body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins? Does all that this church say agree with the scriptures? And when you come, you not only examine the gift, you also examine yourselves. Do you believe what this church confesses? Do you repent of your sins and desire the forgiveness of your Lord? Do you forgive your neighbor as Christ has forgiven you? Do you recognize your need for your Lord's body and blood? So if you then are going to come to the Lord's altar and to confess what you believe, then it's awfully helpful to have a time of instruction before that happens. And so for us then, the rite of confirmation is about this teaching and about this focus on preparing for the Lord's Supper. That today you gladly come to the Lord's altar and you make this confession not just today, but for years to come. And we publicly acknowledge you as participants in this altar with us. You have learned from the Holy Scriptures to confess what is true, and the Holy Spirit leads you by this truth. That means that you then come to where Jesus is, to where he speaks what is true, where he gives out his gifts for you. And this is actually cause to rejoice, for us to sing, to praise our God and to gladly confess what he has done. You have been baptized and received your Lord's name and as you walk in that confession and that gift and rejoice in it, 
you come here where he continues to bestow even more gifts upon you. By the convincing power of the Holy Spirit, you believe this truth of Jesus, and you remain members of his church forever. And so we pray, grant this, Lord, unto us all. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen.